Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I have been pastor here at Woodburn Baptist now for 12 years, which means those who are high school seniors and graduating this year were in first grade uh, when I came as pastor. That is the most frightening thing I can possibly imagine. First grade. Um, I don't always know how you guys feel about me, but I can tell you, having been your pastor 12 years, you are like my children. Uh, it's the strangest thing. I know many of you in this house, you feel the same way. They're not your kids, they're not your grandkids, but you feel so attached uh, to those who grew up in our spiritual family. Truly, uh, Woodburn Baptist Church is a family, and, uh, and I, I couldn't possibly love you guys more, uh, more than I do. First Samuel chapter 17 is where I want us to look tonight for the Word of God, and, and I'll try to make it brief. The sermon title that was not brief, sermon title, have you read it? Same people who didn't do their homework in high school are out in the big world now still not doing it. That's the sermon title tonight. What does that mean? It's about homework. Uh, on this night of all nights, as you prepare, as you're thinking to close the door on homework forever, let's stop and think about what it is. What is homework? Yeah, Jack Wright says, being prepared for tomorrow. Homework was always about preparation for class. It's about preparation and practice. And your teachers assign homework not because they love to grade homework. Do you have any idea what it is for teachers to have to grade all of that? It's not because they like homework. They want to see you get prepared Homework is about preparation. And there are lots of people who go all the way through school and they don't do their homework. And honestly, they typically are not the, the brightest of students. They don't become outstanding senior or outstanding anything, anything else. They're never prepared. And they're probably always thinking that one day they'll kick it in gear, that one day they'll change, one day they'll start doing it. But I'm here to tell you that the same people who didn't do their homework in high school or out in the big world now, they're still not doing it, which means they're not prepared. The tragedy of that is, life is all about homework. If you're thinking that homework only had to do with geometry class, you've got a, a big discovery in front of you. Everything in life that is important involves homework. Everything involves homework. Everything involves preparation. Everything involves discipline. Everything involves practice. Everything involves putting yourself into it in private so that you can come through when you need to come through. Marriage requires homework. Your job is going to require homework. Everything that counts in life has homework. So I want you to understand how important it is to learn to do the homework. First Samuel chapter 17. Going to pick up in a long story, short part of it, in verse 32. It's the story of David on his way to kill Goliath. Remember the story? The army of, of God's people was on a face-off with the army of the Philistines. And the Philistines sent out their champion. Who was their champion? Goliath. What do you know about Goliath? Big. Ugly. Hairy, smelly, awful, beast of a man who stands out. And what does he say to God's people? What's he say to them? In the Bible, what does he say? Look at the Bible. You'll read that he says, y'all want a piece of this? That's what Goliath says. Y'all want a piece of this? Come get it. That's what he says. He challenges them. You send out your champion. You face me. Come. You want a piece of this? Come get me, Goliath says. And what do God's people do? All of the armies of Israel, what do they do? They hide. They, they, they cower. The king of Israel, whom we know was the tallest man in the land, the tallest man in all of Israel is the king. His name is Saul. King Saul, the tallest in the land. Where is he? He is watching the Survivor finale in his castle. 
nowhere to be seen. He does not come out. He does not take on the Philistine champion. And Goliath blasphemes against God. He insults the God of Israel. He insults the people of Israel. He insults all of their mamas, and there they sit. There they hide. They will not come out. Young David is sent to the front lines. Why does David go to where the battle is? Is David a warrior? No. David is a little punk brother. David is the punk little brother. All of his brothers are in the army. All of his brothers are there. David goes to take them lunch and to see how everything is going in the battle, to take news back to home. But when David gets there, what does he discover? He sees Goliath up there talking bad about God and about Israel and about everybody's mama. He sees Goliath up there saying horrible things. And he sees all of the army just cowering, hiding, sitting there like, like somehow Goliath's going to take care of himself. And what does David say? I'll take him. I'll take him. That's where we pick up. This is such a great story. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheeps, sheep and goats. This is his resume. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it. I like that. I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw. Okay, stop right there. If a wild animal is coming toward you, are you going to go for the biting end? He catches it by the what? Jaw. David, this kid, has this habit. When a lion's coming at him, where does he stick his fist? In its mouth. And then what does he do? Clubs it to death. You got to like him. Verse 36. I have done this to both lions and bears. Plural. Plural. And I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. What's he want to do to Goliath? He wants to stick his fist in his and club him to death, yeah. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. You have got to love David. Where does he get that confidence? He is a kid. He has never been through basic training. He is no kind of warrior. He is a shepherd. And honestly, what he describes is simply what is expected. That's what shepherds do. He is not some sort of heroic, out-of-the-ordinary shepherd. Not really. That's what shepherds do. Why do you think shepherds carried slings and stones like David did? What were they using the slings and stones against? Lions, bears, that's what shepherds do. They protect the flock. David all along has simply been doing what every good shepherd would do. Now, I guarantee you there are shepherds like David who did not do it as faithfully as he did. I promise you there are shepherd boys in David's day who would sit out in the field and listen to their iPods. They'd sit out in the field and they would play their video games and they would just let the lions and bears go. And then when daddy would come along and ask about the sheep, they just wouldn't know what happened. You know, there are always people like that. 
always people who do not do what is required of them, who do not do the daily work that is expected every single day. David was not that kind of guy. David did what was expected, and David always did it to the very, very tip top of his strength. So where does his confidence come from? What makes him think that he can take on this Philistine giant? No trained warrior in the whole country wants to go near to Goliath. David doesn't even hesitate. He says, I'll go after him. Where does his confidence come from? Talk to me. It comes from God. Where else? Past experiences with God. He recognizes that his strength has always come from God. And what has God allowed him to do in the past? Allowed him to triumph whenever he needed to triumph. Whenever he needed strength. Whenever he needed to face a challenge, God always, always gave him strength. Always gave him victory. And this day, if God wants him to go take on Goliath, where's the strength going to come from? God. David has no question. He has no question because of his past experience. You see, you've got to understand that David's whole life has been leading to this moment. Everything up to this moment, it's all coming together right here, right between Goliath's eyes. Do you understand that? Everything comes together at that moment. And your life is the same way. Please listen to me, those of you graduating, any of you in an important transition, all of you who want to serve God, listen to me. Your whole life comes together at the place of God's calling, at the place where you step up and get ready to do what God wants you to do. Your whole life prepares you for that. Now, you don't always understand how it all comes together. Sometimes it seems a little random and a little bit wild as you look over it. But there will come a moment in your life when you're in God's will, when you step into that place where suddenly everything snaps into perfect clarity. Everything makes sense. Everything comes together at the place of God's calling. And when you follow the Lord and when you serve the Lord, nothing is wasted. Absolutely nothing is wasted. You've got to understand, though, God wants to use you. God's dream for your life is so much bigger than your dream for your life, I promise you. Right now, some of you are trying to choose a major. You're trying to choose a college. Some of you are just trying to choose what socks to wear in the morning. I, I understand that. But don't you realize that of all your choices, you really don't have any choices. What you must do is find out God's choice for your life. Ask him what he wants to do with you. Find out why he created you. Find out that place where everything comes into meaning and, and comes into relevance. Find out that place where everything starts to make sense. That's God's will. That's God's purpose. Your entire life leads up to God's call. But God will wait until you're ready to be used. God will wait until you're ready. And you're not necessarily ready just because you think you're ready. You'll be ready when you're ready. And God will wait. And in the meantime, you got to do your homework. You have to prepare. Think about David. 
Think about your homework. My goodness, homework is always hard for me. It's hard for a lot of us because homework is what you got to do by yourself. you got to do it at home. There's no teacher standing over you. There's nobody standing over you unless you had one of those mamas, you know. There's nobody there. It's what you have to do by yourself. It's what you have to learn by discipline. It's no fun. There's no applause in it. There's just nothing that seems to come out of it other than getting it done. It's, It's work, and that's why it's called work you got to realize that lots of times in God's preparation of you for his will for your life, you've got to do that homework. You've got to prepare in, in what I would call obscurity. you just got to prepare in the background. you just got to do your work, and you have to do it every day. And it's difficult because you don't always understand why. You don't always understand where it all leads. But God always, always will send you through a time of preparation. I don't care who you are. I don't care how special you think you are. I don't care how much your mama's always bragged on you. God will wait to use you until you're ready. And in the meantime, you got to get ready. Don't assume you're ready. Apostle Paul was knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. God blinded him with the light. God showed him what his will for us for his life. But then don't miss the fact that it's years before Paul starts his ministry. Years go by. Paul already had the most amazing religious training of anybody in the world, but he wasn't ready. Scripture says Paul spent some time in Arabia. Arabia? Of all places, Arabia. We don't know what he did. We don't know why. But the point is, Paul didn't get right up off the road to Damascus and get into it. He spent some time in preparation. God's going to do the same thing with you. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus was God in the flesh. But Jesus spent 30 years preparing for a ministry that lasted three years. And if it took Jesus years of preparation, don't you imagine that you're not going to have to prepare. You're going to have to do your homework. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to prepare yourself and let God prepare you. You're not ready just because you think you're ready. God will wait until you're ready. Until then, you work, you prepare in obscurity. And you prepare in obedience. Obedience. I know you're thinking you're about, some of you are about to leave your your parents' home. That's going to be the best thing ever. You can do whatever you want. You can drink milk right out of the jug. You can run with scissors. You just can't wait to get out because you're thinking that it's no longer going to be about obedience. It's going to be about freedom. But but I'm telling you, if you really, really want to find happiness and find God's will for your life, you've got to learn that you must live a life of obedience. And it's really not about your parents. It's really about the God who made you and owns your life. Your life of obedience is lived before him. I've always wanted a smart dog, and God has never, ever blessed me with a smart dog. I've had a lot of dogs. They are always so dumb. My dogs are so dumb. One year we decided to, to, to do something about it, so we decided to take our dog to school. And at that time, Petco was offering, you know, dog classes. So we enrolled our dog, and the whole family went. We were going to watch this dog get smart. We took it to obedience school the very first day. And from the very first day, our dog was already different, already kind of at the bottom of the class. Do you know you can just tell sometimes? Because other dogs, I mean, the very first day, the owners would, you know, would put the dog on a leash, and we'd take off walking in a circle, and the dogs would just walk, but not our dog. Our dog would drag you know, our dog would be trying to go this way. Our dog would be jumping up on us. I mean, our dog was nuts. Finally, Casey, who always wants to get her money's worth, went over to the teacher and said, could you tell us something special about our dog? 
I said, well, I can tell something about your dog. He's not going to be very obedient. Why? How, how can you tell? We want to know. How can you tell? How can you tell a dog who's going to be obedient from a dog who's not? Well, look at those other dogs. And we did look at the other dogs around the circle. Notice that those dogs never take their eyes off their master. That's a smart dog. That's a good dog, isn't it, Jimmy? A good dog. A dog that will obey never takes its eyes off its master. At that very moment, you look at our dog, it is licking itself. You can't make the dog look at you, 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 know, you know what I'm saying? Our dogs love us, but they, they don't keep their eyes on us. They're not focused on us. They are focused on other things and, and therefore never obedient. Which means, of course, we can't take them anywhere. Some of you have those wonderful dogs that you can take to the softball games. You, you could take your dog, I, I know, to church. You could do anything with your dogs. They're wonderful dogs. Our dogs are so dumb. You can't take them places because they won't obey you got to learn obedience, which means in your life, you have to fix your eyes on your master. You have to fix your eyes on the Lord and don't ever take your eyes off of him because that is the key to obedience. If you will keep your eyes on him, then you will know what he wants from you. You will know what he expects from you and you can obey him instantly and he'll be able to take you places. But if you will not keep your eyes upon him, if you will not follow him with your life, if you will not obey he can't take you nowhere. And honestly, in your life, you'll go nowhere. Obedience is the path to serving God and doing what he wants you to do. You prepare in obscurity, you prepare in obedience. And then sometimes you have to prepare in opposition. It's the path of opposition sometimes. In David's case, he had to fight lions and bears and then Goliath. This is not easy. If it were easy, everybody would do it. It's not easy. It's going to be hard. There's going to be opposition. When you get to college, there's opposition. You're going to find out quickly that there aren't very many young men and women who want to serve God, if you haven't discovered that already. You're going to be going upstream. You're going to find yourself going against the grain of everything that the world offers you. It's going to be a path of opposition. But this is the only, only way to serve God, the only way to prepare. You have to face those challenges every single day. It's like doing homework. It's like being faithful. It's like being obedient. You just never, ever step back from a challenge thing about David is he's just ready always to go for it, always to step forward. The rest of the people are so comfortable to sit back and just let things happen. Sit back and let God's name be dragged through the mud. Just sit back and let their whole nation, let their whole nation be defeated. David is not willing to sit back. He's going to step forward. No matter if it's frightening, no matter if, if his life is in danger, no matter what, he's going to step forward and face the challenges. My young brothers and sisters, you have to be willing to step forward and face the challenges. Maybe there was a time in your life when you could count on other people to sort of take care of that for you. Maybe there was a time in your life when you knew your mama would kill the bears and lions for you. Mama is not always going to be there. Maybe there was a time in your life when you just trusted that somebody else would take care of you. I'm telling you, in the world, there's nobody out there who's going to take care of you. The challenges in your life you must face, but you'll never face them. You'll never face the big ones if you're not facing the small ones every single day. So if I can give you just a few words of advice, I encourage you, be men and women of action. Step forward. Do something. 
Do not be comfortable as a slacker. Don't try to slide by in life without doing the hard work, the hard work every single day. Get used to the fact that everything that matters takes hard work. A relationship that is fulfilling takes hard work. A marriage one day, it's going to take hard work. And if you ever think you're going to be parents, then you'll find out what hard work is, what heartbreak is. Everything's about hard work. Don't ever step back from hard work. Step into it. Always go after it. And then one more thing. Whatever you're facing in life, whatever you face every single day, do the hard thing first. Do the hard thing first. If you haven't learned yet in school when it comes to homework, you should do your homework first thing when you get home. Why is that? Because if you don't do it first thing, you'll probably never do it, or else it'll be so miserable doing that biology at midnight, Miss Jill. It's miserable after midnight. Do the hard thing first. Whatever challenge, whatever opposition you face, you step into it. You take it on. You do not step back. You do not wait. You do always hard things first. It's kind of like doing homework, and some of you have been doing it now for years. I'm telling you. Uh, The homework you've been doing up to this point, it just prepares you for the real hard work of life, and that's only just beginning for you. But do your homework. Put in the time of preparation because God wants to use you. God wants to bless your life in ways you can't possibly imagine. God's dream for your life is a dream he dreamed even before you were born. Do you not understand that? And he made you. He made you for a purpose. And everything you've lived through and everything he's put you through, it's all going to make sense. When you reach that point of serving him, you reach that point of your calling. Until you reach that place, you continue to put in the work of preparation. Continue to obey him. Keep your eyes on him. Follow him. He wants to bless your life in the biggest kind of way. But he can't do that if you won't be ready. Brothers and sisters, make yourselves ready every day. Have a word of prayer, then we'll have another song of time to respond. Pray with me. God, tonight is a wonderful night to celebrate uh, the achievements of our church members and members of our church family. God, a lot of hard work goes into graduating. Hard work goes into kindergarten and, and elementary school. It's a lot of work. And God, our folks have always been good at working. I just pray, Lord, that in all of our energy spent that we're working toward the right things. I pray, Lord, for young men and women now leaving high school, moving on, Lord, with their lives. I know they're working hard. We know, Lord, that they are gifted and wonderful. I just pray, Lord, that they will spend their energy, their time, chasing after things that really matter. God, we've worked very, very hard to teach them, to train them. We have confidence in them. God, I pray that they will be faithful to what they've learned, faithful, Lord, to the calling you have placed upon their lives. God, none of us have any idea all that you have placed inside their hearts. Lord Jesus, I pray that in the quiet of their lives, you will whisper your will into their hearts. They will listen, and they'll follow you wherever you lead. God, help us to be a church that always, always stays close to the young ones throughout their whole lives. God, I know that in the course of life, some will come, some will go, but Lord, I pray that this church will always be a home that people can come back to. God, we thank you so much for the way you have prepared all of us to serve you. God, I pray that all of us as your children, as your servants, that we will do the hard work of preparation every day so that when the moment comes, we will be ready for you to use us in whatever way you see fit. 
Lord, we are in your hands. Use us, for we long, Lord, to be used by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.